With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One County Sheriff, uh, where is your emergency? Uh, someone broke into our house. Our address is 4414 Oak Leaf Court, Northeast. I've been shot. My other family member's been shot. I need help immediately. Okay, I'm getting Cedar Rapids on the line here. Uh, I've been shot in the foot. Okay, sir, sir stay, on the, stay on the line. Stay with me. They be answering. Give them the address right away. What's the address of the emergency? Uh, 4414 Oak Leaf Court, Northeast. Okay, what's going on? There, uh, someone broke in. Okay. I've been shot. You've been shot? My dad's been shot. Okay, hold on just a second. Are they still there? No, they left. They left? Did they come inside the house? Yes. Okay, where were, where were you shot at? Downstairs. No, on your body. On your body, where have you been shot? Foot. I'm sorry, where? Foot. In your foot? foot? Do you know who broke in? No. Okay. Did you get a look at them? No. Could you tell if it was a man or a woman? A uh, man. A man. Could you tell if they were white, black, Hispanic? That's okay if you don't know. Just stay on the line with me, okay? How, do you know how they got in the house? Uh, the back door, I think. The back door? It's open, so... Okay. I'm not an expert. No, that's all right, Alex. I just didn't know what you saw and what you didn't, okay? We've got them coming, and they're coming lights and sirens. I've got an ambulance coming for you. Uh, You're doing great, Alex. You're doing good. Is anybody else home with you? My sister. Your sister? Where's she at? Her bedroom. And her bedroom is up. Okay. She should be in her bedroom? Yes. Okay. What's your sister's name? Sabrina. Sabrina? Yeah. Okay. All right, Alex. I just want to make sure that we know who's supposed to be in that house, okay? Uh, yeah. Just you and your sister for now, right? Oh. Do you remember what color shirt or what color hair this guy had? Anything about him? Um, black? You think it was a black male or a black shirt? Uh, okay. Just you and your sister in the house, right? Yeah. No parents or grandparents, animals? Oh, my mom's here too. Your mom is there too? Yeah. Okay, so you, your sister, and your mom... Yeah. Do you know if mom and sister are safe? Did the guy go upstairs? Well, I don't see them. Okay. That's fine. I just want to make sure that... I have you seen your mom? Or you, you hear it ringing? Yeah. 
the house the house numbers ringing? Yes. Okay. Well, that's us calling. We're trying to get a hold of sister or mom just to make sure they're safe. Alex, do you have any weapons downstairs? Any guns, knives, anything like that? No, but there's a no. gun on the floor. There is? That's not yours? It, it's ours, but we got shot by it. So he took your gun and shot you? Yes. Okay. On June 15, 2021, officers responded to a call for help in an upmarket suburb of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. They opened the door to find multiple members of the Jackson family shot to death inside their own home. There was only one survivor of the massacre, 20-year-old Alex Jackson. He told them that an intruder had come into their home and shot his family, but the investigators found the details didn't add up. This is Monsters. Alexander Ken Jackson was born on September 20th, 2000 in Oregon. Alex was the first born to his parents Jan and Melissa, and 18 months later, a daughter named Sabrina arrived to complete their picture-perfect family unit. In 2011, the family moved from Oregon to a quiet suburban neighborhood in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Alex and Sabrina were both intelligent children, and their parents provided every opportunity for them to explore their talents in and outside of the classroom. Sabrina played the oboe, while Alex played the flute, and both were members of their high school marching and concert bands. Alex was also a dedicated Eagle Scout, where he learned outdoor skills and rifle shooting. When he was a teenager, he joined in on an Eagle Scout mission to help fix up a rundown home so it could be used to house low-income families. The Jackson family were known as a tight-knit unit. Jan had retired a few years earlier after a successful IT career, while Melissa had once been a photographer but stayed home to raise the children. They lived a middle-class lifestyle and were able to pay for their children's college education. At home, they spent evenings watching movies or playing board games together with nice vacations every year. They enjoyed lively discussions and debates about all sorts of topics ranging from the economy to politics and the children's futures. Alex didn't seem to have any trouble making friends despite being a quiet and shy guy, while Sabrina was his outgoing and talkative opposite. As a teenager, Alex developed a knack for video gaming, and each night he would play into the early hours while chatting with his online buddies. After graduating from Kennedy High School, Alex enrolled at the University of Iowa. A year later, Sabrina began attending the College of Liberal Arts at the same university just 35 miles from their family home. Despite appearing like they were the perfectly average family, somewhere along the line, Alex started to feel different from his perfect little sister and his parents with their boomer ideology. He was close with his dad, who liked to play games online sometimes too, but his mom and sister were getting on his nerves, all the time. Their perspectives on politics rubbed him the wrong way, and when he found out Sabrina was going to use her first election to vote independent, he began to despise her. 
Maybe he had despised her all along, but was just now realizing it. He had always known his sister was different from him, but when she put her hand up to introduce an independent presidential candidate who was visiting Cedar Rapids for a speaking event, he knew he would never see eye to eye to her again. That brings us to Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. It would have been like any other Tuesday, with Alex and Sabrina back at home from college during summer break. Melissa and Jan should have woken up, made breakfast, and headed off for their days while their two children did whatever college students do when they aren't studying. Instead, Alex woke up to the sound of gunshots. Ten gunshots, all being fired rapidly from inside of his house. Alex had spent the night sleeping on the closed-in porch upstairs at their family home rather than in his own bedroom downstairs. Thinking nothing of his own safety, he ran down the hallway to the staircase which led to the lower level of the home. He raced down the stairs only to find an intruder standing over the body of his father who was lying on the ground and who had clearly been shot. Alex attempted to disarm the man and tried to wrestle the rifle from his hands. In the scuffle, the weapon went off and Alex ended up getting shot through the foot at close range. But the fight had spooked the intruder and he ran from the house through the back door of the home. Alex crawled down the hallway to his bedroom where he knew his phone was to call for help. Before he picked up his phone, he tried to tie a tourniquet around his leg to stop the bleeding from his gunshot wound. Finally, he picked up the phone and called 911, telling the operator, quote, Someone broke into our house and I've been shot, and my other family member's been shot. Alex told the operator that the intruder had left the house but he couldn't provide a good description of the person. All he could tell them was that the intruder was a man and that he thought he might have come in the back door but that he was quote-unquote not an expert. When asked for more details, he agreed that the person was a black man wearing a black shirt. While Alex was still on the phone with 911, armed police officers were swarming the quiet street. With so little information from Alex, they didn't know what they were walking into. Was there more than one person? Were they still in the house or hiding out and back? What weapons did they have? There were so many unknowns, but right away they could tell that something was off. They were picking up strange vibes from the whole situation and there was no one visible inside or outside the home despite a person having called for help. One of the officers even suggested that the call might have been a prank. The handcuff clicking sound is from the body cam. It repeatedly makes an audible sound so the officer knows it's still on. But this sounds fucked. If there's people in the house, there's no reason they can't come out. This is sounding like, all right, well, I'm going to go around to the back. I'm going to see if I can get eyes. Right. After securing the street, officers approached the home with their weapons drawn. They entered the bottom floor of the home using the back door. Immediately, they found the body of Alex's father, Jan, lying face down on the carpet at the bottom of the stairs, which led up to the second level of the home. He had no pulse. Alex was lying on his side on the floor in the adjoining hallway just outside of his bedroom. His leg was bloodied from where he had been shot in the foot, and he whimpered as armed police flooded into the home. They asked him who else was home, and Alex told them his sister was upstairs. When they asked if she was okay, he answered, quote, I think so. The officers cleared the lower level of the home, and one by one they stepped over Jan's body and made their way upstairs. At the top of the stairs, they entered Sabrina's room and found her lying shot to death in her own bed. 
Heading deeper down the hallway, they found the body of Melissa on the floor of the master bedroom. She had also been shot to death. At first glance, it appeared that Alex had a lucky escape. He was the only one to survive the massacre of his entire family in their own home. As the officers made their way back downstairs, they noticed that Alex had shuffled closer to the body of his father. In his hand, he was touching the discarded shell of one of the bullets which had been used to shoot Jan. After the house was cleared, medics were called in to attend to Alex's gunshot wound while an officer asked Alex what had happened in the home. What's your name? Alex. Alex. Yeah. Alex, what happened? There, there was a man? What man? A, a tall man? Okay. How old are you? 20? Hey, leave that alone. Leave it right there. Alex was assisted to walk out of the home where he was put on a stretcher to be taken in an ambulance to the hospital. Even at that stage, before the scene had been looked over thoroughly, officers were concerned that Alex might have been involved in the murder somehow. Hey, or let them know it's possible that he's... Hey, Justin, you want to double-check his pockets before? Yep, yep. I, I did while we were down there real quick, but... You have anything in there? Nothing on you you're not supposed to have? I hope not. Okay. We just want to make sure that everybody's safe. A lot of pockets. There's a, there's a possibility that... Nobody knew it then, but this officer's instincts were spot on. Inside the ambulance, Alex told the medic what had happened that morning. I, I ran into him. You ran into who? The man. Okay. You ran into him how? Thank you. I hit him. With like a fist or? Okay. Okay. So you, you were sleeping on the couch? In the porch. Or sorry, you were sleeping in the porch? Yeah. Okay. Then what happened? Did you hear gunshots or what? Yeah. Okay, you heard gunshots. somebody in your house? Yeah. Okay. The officer who had been first to arrive on the scene captured the ambulance conversation on his body cam. When the group arrived at the hospital, he left his camera on a table in Alex's room while the medical staff carried out x-rays and examined the gunshot wound. Meanwhile, the official scene investigation got underway at the Jackson home and right away the warning bells were going off something just wasn't right. Obviously, something is very wrong when three people from one family are murdered in their own home, but it was more than that. The evidence wasn't adding up to Alex's story. According to Alex's account, there was an unidentified intruder who had broken into the home and killed his family, and yet there was no sign of forced entry in the home. On top of that, there was no evidence to indicate that anyone other than the Jackson family had been inside the house. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back at the hospital, two detectives arrived to interview Alex. They got straight to the point and told Alex what the scene was telling them. Alex, the, the reality is there's not, not any evidence that anyone else was over at your house. It's okay. It's okay. There's there. Alex, do you want to tell us what happened? What really happened? Alex, we're not here to judge you at all. Like I said, I'm... I went downstairs, and the man was there. I fought him. I got shot. I think he left. I don't know. Alex, that's, that's not what the evidence is showing. What do you mean? Well, like I said, you know, if there had been a person there, there would be some evidence that he showed up. There would also be evidence that he left, because he's not there now, and there is no evidence of that. No one else was there. Well, he was there. Like Sarah said, we're not, we're not here to judge you. Something happened uh -huh. in, in your house, and we're just trying to figure out why. Because Matt and I talk to a lot of people, so I've, I've been a police officer for 15 years now, and uh, Matt's been a police officer for 20-plus, and uh, a lot of people that we talk to um, do a lot of things for um, their own reasons. I mean, you don't have my life, and I don't live yeah. my life, and you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, for that's why when we ask these questions, we do it because we want to understand. Um, because I don't know what goes on in your life, just like you don't know. Um, maybe you think my life is really happy, but I could probably tell you some things that would surprise you, and you would say, Oh, I wouldn't expect that, you know? Oh, your life? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but we've talked to enough people that we know that there's so much that goes on in people's lives and, and that affect the, what, what happens, you know? And so, again, with us, we don't want to, we just want to understand um, why this happened today. Um, and we're not here to, again, judge you. I mean, I think you're a nice guy. Um, you've been very pleasant to talk to with us. And so, like I said, but something bad happened. And there's a reason why something bad happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know you know that reason, but I don't. And I want to understand it. But I don't know. Well, you do. Alex was asked about his relationship with his family, and in particular, his sister. Have you, have you ever had any problems with them? Like, serious problems with them? Like any judge in your life or choices? Oh, he's, he's proud of me. Yeah, how about mom? Yeah. Same? Mm -hmm. Sister? I guess. <laughs> I guess. Well, tell me about this relationship with your sister. It doesn't seem like it's quite I mean, we're brothers. We're not the closest. Do you like her? She's, yeah, she's my sister. Um, how far apart are you guys in age? Probably more Like, like yeah, another year?
Alex claimed not to know his sister had been hurt. He asked the officers what had happened to her and he appeared shocked when they told him she had been shot. But then the detective asked him about the 911 call. When you called 
Uh, we watched a movie for kind of put more games. Okay, we we kind of games where we talk about online stuff. Yeah. You know, Halo. Halo. Spider-Man. We do like a Halo Monday night. Sure. So you played Halo, and then you said you watched a movie, or a part of a movie, or was that a different night? Yeah, we watched well, like any movie game. Uh, that I went to around eleven. Movie game, like you and your friends, you mean? Well, we, yeah, we came a little bit after our dinner. Then, okay. Like, watch the movie. Tell me about the movie. What'd you watch? Uh, you know, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Wow. Just watch part of that. Who did? You had the entire family. Oh, I get you. It's her family, or whatever. And we watched part of it, and then we all did our separate things. But I went to bed, one point in the night, my dog barked away, but he does that every night, just because the animals out there. Uh, woke up, the sound of gunshots, I went up, ran upstairs, there's a man in black clothing, he had green shoes, I don't know, shoes, he had the gun, I ran at him, we wrestled, I think I pushed him maybe a couple times. He shot me. Or maybe I shot me, I don't know. This is wrong. We're fighting over it. Then I uh, was crawling to my bedroom. So he shot me. It was going like a fountain. Um, Did you have a shoe on or something? No, no shoes or something. Okay. So I just woke up. But then I don't really know what happened to him. Uh, then I called. And then I, Where is your phone? Uh, it's in my bedroom. By this point, the officers had been speaking to Alex for less than half an hour, and yet some of the details in his story had changed a number of times, especially when it came to his sister. Remember, he had asked what had happened to Sabrina and appeared shocked to hear that she had been hurt. Then the officers reminded him about his 911 call where he said his family members had been shot, which he wouldn't have known if the shootings had happened the way he said they had. Then he said he saw her while she was in bed, and then he denied seeing her at all. Then he gave another description about his sister. And then at what point did you go up and check on your mom and your sister? Uh, because we know you did that, at some point you were up there with them. Mm -hmm. I wasn't upstairs, but I, when I heard wherever they were at, right my foot, I saw my sister's bedroom. It was open. All okay. Yeah. Tell us what she saw there. She was in bed. Like, like, um... I couldn't tell because I was on the floor. She went like, under the covers? Uh, yeah. Like she was still sleeping? Yeah. But she knew she wasn't sleeping, right? Huh? You knew she wasn't sleeping at that point, though, right? I guess. Yeah. Tell us about. Well, I hope she was fine. Did you say anything 
police officers checking. Right, but the police haven't shown up. Yeah, when yeah, they because I crawled to my room or I called. Mm -hmm. And okay. I was sitting there for a while because And you can see her though. Right? No, no, because it's like connected it's kind of wall. I have to go to the hall look. Right. So but you sit on the way to your room. To get the thing for your foot, you you can see her sister. Uh no, I just walked straight to my room. In one sentence, he claimed he had seen her while he was crawling back to his room to put a tourniquet on his leg, and then immediately after he claimed he hadn't seen her because he was down on the floor and had crawled straight to his room. Then he told the detectives that what he meant was that police officers were checking on her. So he either saw Sabrina or he didn't, but somehow officers were checking on his sister before he had even made the 911 call. Right. After two hours of interviewing, the detectives realized they weren't going to get an easy confession out of Alex, at least not right away. He was sticking to his story, and while he was messing up the details, he wasn't budging on the overall theme. The massacre of his family members had been carried out by an unidentified intruder. Investigators knew that if they wanted to prove that Alex was responsible for killing his whole family, they would need more proof than an inconsistent statement and an unlikely story. More information was coming out of the scene, and the bodies of Jan, Melissa, and Sabrina were removed by the medical examiner. Their autopsies revealed that all three had died from gunshot wounds caused by the same weapon, a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle. The analysis of their injuries left no doubt that the killer wanted to make sure their victims were definitely dead, with both Jan and Melissa showing evidence of the killer having delivered subsequent shots even after they were mortally wounded. Jan had been shot three times in the front of his body on his chest and neck. He had likely been shot as he came down the stairs to the lower level of the home. He had been shot two more times in the back of the head while he lay face down on the carpet where he had fallen after the initial shots. The gunshots injured his brain, but any one of those shots alone was enough to be fatal. He also had blunt force trauma to his face and lower lip, which was determined to have been caused by his fall after being shot. Alex's sister Sabrina had been shot in her bed. She had a gunshot wound to her eye and another through her torso which had exited through her arm. The torso shot had entered her abdominal cavity, passed through her liver, exited through her stomach, and then entered and exited through her arm. Both shots had left no sign of gunshot residue which indicated the killer had stood further away from her, likely from the doorway of her bedroom and both shots were independently fatal. Alex's mother, Melissa, was found shot to death on the floor of the master bedroom. One shot had grazed her scalp and one had entered her skull through her right temple. Gunshot residue found on her face indicated that she had also been shot at close range through her left eye, likely when she was lying injured on the floor. Both injuries were independently fatal. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
The weapon which had been used to fire the shots was found at the scene and was registered to Jan Jackson. Jan owned a number of firearms, and Alex claimed that the night before the killings, he and his father had cleaned the rifle because the last time they had fired it, the gun had jammed. When they were done cleaning the weapon, they left it unsecured on the fireplace in the living room. See, so you cleaned the barrel. Yeah. Well, we cleaned the whole thing because we didn't want our hands in the okay. tell, tell me about it. Is it, a, is it a bolt action or what is that? It's a uh, semi automatic. How many rounds did it hold? The detectives are asking Alex to describe how he and his father cleaned the gun. Since they don't believe that's what happened, they don't think he'll be able to accurately describe what cleaning a gun involves, which he doesn't. He also claimed that they cleaned it because the last time they used the rifle it had jammed, but that was a while ago. So you just randomly pulled the gun out and decided to clean it that day? Seems convenient. Are we going to find anybody else's fingerprints on those shell casings besides you and your dad? I don't think so. Yeah, Why not? Well, this is just because we Okay, so whoever loaded those then would have been you or your dad? Well, the murderer could have. Well, I just asked you that. Yeah. Because Will we find any other fingerprints on well, the shell not, casings? Nothing. Besides me. Besides you or your dad? Yeah, well, he could have gloves. When he told us the gun was empty. Yeah. And you already said he didn't have gloves. What? You've already said he didn't have gloves. I never said he had. Wait, what? You know, you, I asked. You said he had a ski mask on. Well, yeah, that's what I Yeah, no gloves. And if you're fighting with the hands, you would. For hours, the detectives interviewing Alex in the hospital kept trying to convince him to share what had actually happened inside the home that morning. They used a number of techniques to try to convince him to come clean, including confronting him with some of the evidence which was coming from the crime scene investigators. If we make a column of evidence that Alex did this, evidence that unidentified male did this and we start putting in okay nobody on all the surrounding cameras of the neighborhood and given that it's like a dead end road nobody came or left okay so that doesn't go in a column of some unknown guy showing up at your residence we have no forced entry okay that doesn't really work okay so that goes in the alex column also and we have family members shot to death in the head and in bed. Sister's not awake. That goes in this column, and then then we have 
Alex saying he might have shot himself in the foot, or it might have been the other guy. Not real sure. However, the trajectory, trajectory and the evidence is going to show that he shot himself in the foot. That's going to go in this column, too. So what I'm saying is, when you put all these together, we have nothing other than Alex saying, unidentified male who did not break into the house and used the gun that was... He broke into a house and used the gun that was in the house. How would he know there was one in there? Makes no sense. Okay? That's because there is no man, Alex. Somehow, the conversation always came back around to Alex's sister, Sabrina. And then there's your sister. <laughs> At what age did you realize that she was such a pain in the ass? I mean, she, we have our arguments, but uh, I don't hate her. What's the worst thing she's ever done? That I, that I don't like the numbers? Yeah. Um, did you say vote Democrat? That that's the worst thing she's ever done. Alex, when I ask you if you love your sister, and your only response is yeah, she's my sister. Yeah, I do. Okay, then there should probably, if that's your reaction, there should probably be a long list of things that she's done in her life to piss you off. Not vote We're just Democrat. not the plus. You live in the same house. You're only, what, two years apart? One and a half? Okay. I'm not saying you got to be best friends, but you're leaving something out about your relationship with her. Despite a three-hour interrogation while he sat in a hospital bed, Alex continued to deny any involvement in the triple homicide of his family. The detectives offered plenty of reasons which could explain why Alex might have killed his family. They suggested maybe he had mental health issues, or he was angry that his sister was more successful than he was. Maybe his parents were going to cut him off, or even that maybe he was going through a sexual identity crisis. What if there's a chemical imbalance somewhere that he can't control? And then, well, what do you usually do? Talk to people, get them help, um, find out what they you still hold Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, but it can look different. You know, I mean, there's things done in cold blood, and then there's things done over where people have chemical imbalances. You know, and everybody looks at you know, he made the comment um, crazy, and I think that's not an appropriate term to call, like, mental health, you know, because, you know, if somebody has diabetes and their insulin levels fall, because their body doesn't create insulin, they take insulin, right? Because does that mean there's something wrong with them as a person that their body doesn't make insulin? Oh, I understand. Okay. So, right. So it doesn't make them crazy that their body doesn't create insulin, right? Well, no, but it's not new. Well, so my point is, is that typically when, if there's a history of anxiety or depression or things like that, and they go untreated, 
what causes that is a chemical imbalance. Just like when you're not making... No matter what escape routes the detectives were offering, Alex wouldn't bite. The details in his story weren't adding up, but overall his story was the same about an unidentified intruder and a foiled robbery which had turned into a mass murder. Alex was treated for the wound on his foot and kept in the hospital for observation. The same evening that his family were murdered, he was transported to the local police station for another interview with the same detectives. But the intervening hours had changed nothing for Alex. He repeated his denials and retold the story about the family watching a movie together followed by online video games and going to sleep on the upstairs porch. The next morning, he awoke to gunshots, wrestled with the intruder, got shot in the foot and called 911. Unbeknownst to Alex, detectives had been working all night to gather further evidence. They cut straight to the chase and revealed the most critical finding in the investigation so far. There was a ring camera at the front door which Alex knew about and which had been disconnected at some point in the night before the attack. Alex had been very specific in telling the officers that the intruder had entered and exited the home through the back door. He was about to find out that there was a second camera he didn't know about. I know when we left, we kind of told you where we were at on this thing, and mm -hmm. you told us where you were at on that thing. So one of the big uh, things that we need to, to really hammer out was this video, right? This, this ring video from your house mm -hmm. um, that would help substantiate some of what you told us. And uh, I talked to my guy Jeff. He, he does all the forensic uh, or digital forensic type stuff, phones and computers and cameras and, and things like that for us. He, good news, he did a search warrant for the ring and got it back. There are no clips of anyone uh, leaving your house. That one in the back, uh, there is a clip there that they were looking at, and it just kind of, we use that as an example of how much of your yard it covered. That was the whole backyard. Okay, I didn't know that was one in the back. Yeah. I thought it was just one. Right? So... There's that one, right? And there's that one camera in the backyard. And again, I mean, there's they're, they're apparently the motion activated. Because so, last night, didn't they get him dumping water off the Yeah, you can dump some water off the back? A bucket of water? Maybe my parents did. No, they, he said it looked like you. Did your dad look like you, though? Uh, sure. Okay. Well, someone went out back, dumped a bucket of water, maybe went up to that screened-in porch. Okay. Oh, okay, you clearly didn't know about the camera, but I'm telling you, there's a camera back there. It captures your whole backyard, um, including what appeared to be you. I didn't personally see it. I'm just relaying what he told me. Okay. And he also told me there's no video of anyone leaving. I didn't know there was one in the back. Oops. They chased this revelation with another critical piece of evidence. Okay, so what time do you think you woke up yesterday? Or today, I should say. Um, was it 8-12 when, uh, when you said that, uh, or you need to call 911? 21. 8-21? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I may have gotten that slightly wrong. Yeah, when I called? Mm-hmm. Okay. How long before that did you wake up for the day? Um, Uh, yeah. Okay. So who's using your phone at 6 a.m. to get on social media? Mm -hmm. 
who's using your phone at 6 a.m. to get on social media? Um, maybe me? I don't know. I don't remember. How could you use it at 6 if you were asleep till 8? You see what we're saying, Alex? It's time, Alex, Alex, time to just not the point. The gig's up, bud. These two pieces of evidence called into question Alex's entire story, and they tried to demonstrate how ludicrous his version of events truly was. I'll give you the respect and believe you until it just gets to the point where it's just fantasy now, okay? And when we get, so what do we do? We expedite the ring cameras to, because, hey, if we can see some guy coming and going from the house, that is what we need to see. Well, we don't see that. So in order for your story to be true, that means somebody would have had to bypass your ring cameras and not set them off, get lucky enough that a door was unlocked and they picked the right door to be unlocked. Well, we don't usually lock our doors. Okay, okay, fine. But then for them to know that, now you call them an intruder, but I'm not going to call them that because nobody came in there to burglarize anything. They came in there to murder people because that's all that happened there. No items were taken. But if they came there to murder people, like you said, then they would have had to get lucky enough that you had left a gun out for them and left ammunition out so they could load the gun. And then be able to know right where everybody's at and shoot everyone and get in a fight with the biggest person in the house and have struggle with the gun and be able to escape without you hurting them or without them setting off the cameras. So they've now come and gone and we have none of that. So we looked in, that's your story. I pretty sure you I tell that story to you you cannot sit there and look me in the eye and say yeah well that did happen because that's come on you just heard me say it that's not even possible it sounds like the detective is describing a hit but the hitman didn't bring their own gun no matter what technique the detectives used to try to convince alex to come clean he refused to budge on his story even without a confession and a story which didn't make sense, the detectives were certain they had enough evidence to prove he was the killer. At the conclusion of the interview, Alex was arrested and charged with three counts of murder. The case is the first known triple homicide in Cedar Falls since 1982. Alex pleaded not guilty to all of the charges brought against him. In a pre-trial hearing, the body cam footage which had been filmed by the officers who were first to arrive at the scene, as well as to record the entire hospital conversation between Alex and the detectives was disputed for its legality as evidence. Alex's defense attorneys argued that the body cam footage was privileged health information and therefore couldn't legally be shared or used against their client. On the other hand, the prosecution argued that Alex had waived his privilege when he allowed the officers to stay with him during the ride and during his medical treatment. He had also waived his privilege when he agreed to talk to them after being read his Miranda rights. Ultimately, the judge ruled in favor of the prosecution and the body cam footage became critical evidence in the trial against Alex. 
Without a confession, the prosecutor knew their case relied heavily on forensic evidence, and in this case, there was plenty of it. Ballistics investigators found three prints on the rifle which was used to murder Melissa, Jan, and Sabrina. There was a left palm print which was fully intact and matched Alex perfectly. There was a right palm print which had some smudges but also matched Alex. The third print was unable to be identified as it was too degraded by smudging and smears. The way the prints were located on the gun indicated that the weapon had likely been wiped down before the user picked it up again and pointed it in a muzzle-down direction. Exactly like how you would hold a rifle if you remembered you needed to shoot yourself in the foot to make your story more believable. The rifle itself was considered a critical piece of evidence and not just because it was the murder weapon. This specific type of 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle is unique in how it is loaded and fired. It wasn't the kind of gun you could just pick up, load, and fire. In fact, one of the highly experienced ballistics specialists who was tasked with going over the weapon had to watch a video on YouTube to learn how to load the weapon. It seems unlikely that a random robber would know how to load the gun which they unexpectedly found during a break-in. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There was also a pool of blood next to Alex's bed, which led forensics to determine that he had walked to his bedroom, tied a tourniquet around his leg, and then shot himself in the foot to try to reinforce the story he had concocted to cover up his actions. They told the jury how there was no blood trailing from the area of Jan's body and into Alex's room. Alex had told them he had gotten into a scuffle with the intruder right by where his dad was killed and in the fight, he was shot in the foot. Then he crawled back to his bedroom to tie a tourniquet around his leg. But the reality of the scene was that bloody footprints had only been heading in one direction, going out of Alex's room, not into it. On the stand, the medical examiner went through the autopsy of each of the victims in explicit detail. Throughout his testimony, Alex refused to look at the screens showing photos of his parents and sister and instead looked down at his notepad. During the trial, it was confirmed that Alex had no history of mental illness or violence. He had no criminal record and no history of strange or concerning behavior. He hadn't even received a parking ticket. So what explanation did the prosecution offer for his motive to murder his whole family? Sure, there were the political disagreements, but was that really enough to cause an otherwise intelligent and level-headed 20-year-old to murder his family early on a Tuesday morning? From the perspective of the prosecution, Alex had snapped and made a plan to kill his family possibly in order to inherit their life insurance money. He had then come up with the intruder story to cover up what he had done. He thought that he would get away with it if he shot himself in the foot. The insurance money as a motive became more believable when the prosecution revealed that just weeks before the murders, Jan had given Alex an ultimatum, get a job or move out. While Alex had been successful in his first year of college, during his second year he achieved credits for only one class out of 13 in the first semester. 
In his second semester, he decided to defer his classes against his parents' wishes and only passed one paper. Alex had told detectives from his hospital bed that he was distracted and instead of going to college classes, he spent his days at home playing video games. He had previously worked in the food court at the university, but he quit his job when classes were moved online and he told his parents that he was going to open his own business. He just wasn't sure what it was going to be yet and he didn't seem that motivated to get started. As the university break drew to an end and Alex showed no sign of starting a business or getting a job or even returning to college, his parents felt that they had no choice but to cut him off. Alex had become accustomed to a comfortable lifestyle courtesy of his parents and if they cut him off he had no way of buying gas to get around or money to hang out with his friends. At the time of the murders, he had $30 in his bank account. And then there was Alex's sister. Somehow, it always came back to Sabrina. Alex and his sister were just under 18 months apart in age, but as they grew older, they couldn't have been more different. While Sabrina thrived at school and then college and had a big group of friends, Alex seemed to be going backwards. His grades had plummeted and he was talking about dropping out completely. He spent less time out of his house and more time online with his friends. In Alex's mind, Sabrina was the golden child and his parents favored her. But for Sabrina, life inside the Jackson home was anything but golden. In the courtroom, her life was put on display. The jury learned that Sabrina had more progressive political views than her brother and her father and she didn't feel safe sharing her thoughts at home anymore. In a series of Discord messages which were revealed during the trial, Sabrina had messaged a friend just months before the murder saying that if she mentioned any sort of political view, she would get shut down by both her father and Alex. She wrote, quote, God, he's borderline at this point. If I mention any sort of political opinion, he tells me to shut up, but he and my brother can say whatever they want. Because only men understand politics, am I right? Unlike my brother, I read from more sources than Fox News because I'm not an idiot. How can I have a civil conversation if they're going to act like that? In another message, she talked about hating her brother and her father, saying, quote, I literally fucking hate my dad. I wish I had enough money to move out or something. I just hate him and my brother so much, like I do nothing and they'll attack me for the stupidest shit. On top of the political friction, Sabrina was also struggling with her sexual identity. In one message, she wrote, quote, I'm legitimately scared what my brother would do if he found out I was bi. Hopefully, I can just hide it. Was Sabrina's sexuality what caused Alex to murder his whole family? That might seem like a far-fetched theory, but during Alex's hospital interview, he was asked about his sexual orientation. His answer might give some insight into why it was relevant for Sabrina's sexuality to be brought up in the courtroom in the first place. Is there something personal with you? In this day and age, um, I mean, and if, I, if I'm off base on this, I apologize, but also I, I know a lot of people um, that come from a lot of different backgrounds, and um, when it comes to anything like sexuality and stuff, and that is a tremendous amount of pressure that people have to deal with, and being accepted and whatnot. 
you know. And don't have anything to hide about my sexual. Okay. You like women? Sure. Do you like men? Not that one. Hmm? Not that one. So would you just rather not be with a man or a woman? But I'm normal. What's that mean? I'm just you. He described himself as quote-unquote normal. Does that mean if he suspected his sister was bi that she wasn't normal? And would that really be enough to prompt a person to murder their father, mother, and sister in cold blood? And then there were reports from various friends and acquaintances of the Jackson family. It turns out that when a whole family is murdered, the truth about what they might have been like behind closed doors is easier to share. Some said that Jan was extremely controlling, especially when it came to his wife and daughter, and that he hadn't retired. He had been fired because he didn't get along with his boss. Others talked about how Melissa was very strict with the kids when it came to getting good grades, and that Sabrina had to be medicated for anxiety and depression due to her mother putting so much pressure on her to perform well at school. And then the clincher. When friends of Sabrina were interviewed about her relationship with her brother, the friends described the siblings as quote-unquote incompatible. They said that Alex was right-winged and radical, while Sabrina was liberal and this was the main source of tension between them. They had also seen firsthand Alex's violent side. The family had a dog named Hero that had been a gift for Sabrina when she was a child. The friends stated that the dog hated Alex and they had seen him hit the dog multiple times. Gee, I wonder why the dog hated him. The dog always stayed away from Alex because of how he treated it and would become defensive of Sabrina if Alex was around. They also recalled Sabrina telling them that after a trip to Japan, Alex had come home with a sword. He would tie the katana to his waist and walk around the house threatening her with the blade if she pissed him off. On the other side of the coin, the defense painted a completely different picture of Alexander Jackson and what had happened inside the family home. Alex's defense team claimed that the case against him was entirely circumstantial. They based their argument on the premise that Alex was a good person with no history of violence. His friends testified that he was a decent person who wouldn't hurt his family and that he had never complained about spending time with them. Even his Eagle Scout leader testified in his defense. He told the court that Alex, quote, was a great kid. I could count on him in any situation. I would always rely on him to take on more gear and take more of a leadership position. Alex had received 34 merit badges in the Eagle Scouts and was proficient in rifle shooting, which was taught as part of the program. Another friend who had been playing games with Alex online the night before the murders told the court that there was nothing unusual or out of character during their gaming session. Alex's lawyers stated that there was not a shred of evidence that disproved his version of events. They asserted that the intruder entered the home without being captured by either the front or back door ring cameras. They conveniently found an unloaded rifle, which they then found the ammunition for, managed to load the unusual gun, and then took the weapon and killed Melissa and Sabrina without waking anyone in the house. Then Jan came down the stairs and got shot from below, which is what woke Alex, except his father was shot five times, not ten, like Alex described as the number of shots he remembered waking up to. Then Alex went downstairs where his father had been shot and wrestled the gun from the intruder and managed to get himself shot in the foot. 
Then, the intruder left the house without stealing anything and without being caught on camera at Alex's house or any of the neighbor's cameras as well. Then, Alex called 911. They explained away the blood pool in Alex's bedroom as being from when he realized he had been shot and went into his bedroom to put a tourniquet on. As he sat on the edge of his bed, the blood pooled around his foot which caused it to transfer bloody footprints when he made his way down the hallway. Except Alex told the officers he had crawled down the hallway and that he couldn't walk because of the gunshot, so why were there footprints at all? The defense offered no explanation for why nothing was stolen from the house or how the intruder knew exactly where to find the family members, or why the two ring cameras didn't show anyone other than the family entering or exiting the home that night. They also couldn't explain where the supposed intruder went after leaving the Jackson house. Officers had combed the area around the house which was situated on a quiet cul-de-sac. There were no other roads around the home and the area behind the house was dense brush with no pathways. Investigators spent hours combing through the brush to try to find a possible escape route but there was none. If someone had entered the Jackson home through the front or back of the house, it would have been picked up by the cameras at the home or one of the neighboring houses. But all of the footage examined in the investigation showed no one other than the Jackson family, and later the police officers as they swarmed the home. Ultimately, in January of 2023, the jury sided with the prosecution's version of events and Alex was found guilty on all counts. In March of 2023, Alexander Jackson was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences with no possibility of parole. He was also ordered to pay $450,000 in restitution and submit his DNA. Alex's defense team immediately filed a motion to request a new trial. They cited juror misconduct after claiming a juror had heard people outside the court talking about the case. Their motion was denied. None of the Jackson's extended family members gave a victim impact statement during the proceedings, but after the guilty verdict, they commented, quote, Alex wanted everyone to think that he was a victim in this case, and we're very glad today that that was proven to not be true. We just want everyone to know that Jan, Melissa, and Sabrina were incredibly loved, and they have a family who loves them and a family that will keep them in our hearts. Perhaps the most telling thing about this whole case isn't the forensic evidence, or Alex's statements, or even the struggle to determine a motive for Alex's actions. Think back to the body cam footage taken at the scene, and then in the ambulance, and the hospital, and later in the courtroom. Alex's composure is consistent through all of it. He doesn't smile, he doesn't cry, he doesn't laugh, and he doesn't ask about his family members. When he was accused of murder during his interview, he barely raised his voice even when he said he was angry. When he was arrested and charged, he didn't react or yell that he was innocent or hang his head. And then there's the simple but chilling fact that Alex only refers to Sabrina as his sister and he never mentions her by name. It's almost like he was simply a bystander for the whole series of events. Perhaps that's the true tell of a monster. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. 
If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility. Call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by simply dialing 988 in the United States. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you may be facing. If you are a member of the LGBTQ community and suffering from discrimination, depression, or are in need of any support, please contact the LGBT National Hotline at 1-888-843-4564 or go to lgbthotline.org. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our merchandise at thisismonsters.com. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.